I, you know, I recognize it. I don't, you know, I'm not, whatever the word is. Uh, hypochondriac? Yeah. I'm not, I, I'm like, oh. like, I don't get crippled by illnesses that don't exist. But if you say the word, if you start saying the word headage a bunch, my head allergy a little bit, it'll be like a. I'm a hypochondriac. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, I always think there's something wrong with my car. Uh. <laughs> Night falls over Austin, Texas. It's chilly and it's cold. It's rainy. It's been that way for five days now. I, well, I generally like the rain. I love a good rainstorm, I guess is what I mean. But five days starts to get to even the sunniest personality, I think. Uh, but uh, there's plenty more banal chatter about the weather to come, to be sure, and, and about other, other things here on episode 187 of One Magical Hour a Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. So happy to be here in the Ivy Covered Castle after dark. And wel- welcoming my good friend, the Bodhisattva of Fun, and really the Glenn Frey of podcast. The Glenn Fry of podcasting. The young Glenn Fry of podcasting. The young Glenn Fry of podcasting. Matthew Rampey. That's the last time I'm going to write it for you. <laughs> <clears throat> That was All right, a here's the parody. Sorry, wayward introduction. <laughs> Hop up out the bends. I put my swag on. Take a look in the mirror. Say what's up? Yeah, I'm making podcasts. So, hop up out the bends. I put my swag on. Take a look in the mirror. Say what's up? Yeah, we're making podcasts. So that's uh now I know now look, I know not everybody knows that song. That's 2008 Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy. Turn my swag on. I knew that the the use the, the song is called that use Turn the word My Swag, swag on. definitely pushed it, you know, a, a little pushed it up in the chronology. <laughs> At the at the risk of um, of copyright infringement, I'm gonna play just a little bit of this song right now. Okay, I mean, God, can you imagine if we would get if there was if there was litigation <laughs> against us? Oh, it's hop up out the bed. I, I thought it was hop up out the bed. Oh, or maybe out of bed. Okay, I want to talk about this because this this is a thing that's happening in my life right now. Is uh, everybody here in um, one magical nation, one magical universe? What do we call them? Our our magical universe. Our our, our magical universe. To our knowledge, it's the only one. Scientists theorize about infinite magical universes. Oh, goodness. The robot is acting up. The robot theorizes about infinite beats. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Everybody knows that I love hip-hop music. That I love rap music. Um, Tell me who don't. My nine-year-old son, Griffin, is discovering rap music. Oh. Okay. And it's great. And he thinks that I know nothing, of course. What he doesn't know is that I'm like a whole hip hop historian, you know, 
So in the 2000s, I want to take you back about 20 years, Shafi, to like 2002, 2003, 2004. You remember what you were doing 20 years ago? You were, you were in Brooklyn 20 years ago, right? <clears throat> I had just moved back to Austin 20 years ago. Um, yeah, I was 28 in New York City. I don't remember the damn thing. <clears throat> I thought that rap music was like going in a new weird direction. I didn't understand. I was becoming a geezer 20 years ago. Mm, yeah. and um, On the road to geezerhood. Yeah. And... I had grown up with rap music. Like that was the music that made Mark the most angry, you know, that made my dad the most mad was rap music. So that a was lot the, of, a lot of white dads were getting mad about rap music. That was the then. music of my rebellion, you know, and I really embraced it. And then of course, um, you know, the beastie boys really showed me that it wasn't just about like a racial divide either. Like hip hop was for everybody. And, everybody. Yeah. The, B- the Beastie Boys told me that if you repeat the last word of the sentence somebody else says, <laughs> then you're rapping. <laughs> yeah, okay. You learn to rap. Well, Griffin was trying to learn to rap. Learn to rap. <laughs> I, I suggested to him, <clears throat> I suggested uh, you should consider what you want to write a rap about. What do you want to rap about? And I gave him some topics, some common topics. Like, hey, this is where I live. These are my friends. This is my family. This is my school. This is my street. This is my block. Just talk about your life. That's that's number one. You know, that's the number one topic. It's it's an autobiographical uh, genre, right? Autobiography. Yeah. Yeah. It's key. I mean, that's what this is, right? I that's what this that definitely what this has become. I can't remember who it was, but one of the I saw one of the old school rappers. I mean, it was it was Dr. Dre or Cube or some some of the one of the greats saying, if it comes time to rap, you don't have anything on your head, just talk about where you're from. <laughs> talk about where you're from. And where you're at. And where you're at. And where you want to go. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's and it. You got yourself a rap. Yeah. And um you know, he thinks I'm an idiot, and I understand that. Um, <laughs> so many ways we are. Yep. And uh, he doesn't care about my hip-hop scholarship. Oh, no. You know, uh, he, I'm tempted to sit down with him and watch the history of hip-hop, <laughs> the Netflix documentary, yeah. which I've watched all the way through. I'm sure that... If I did that in one second, I would be like, oh, this is not a kid's show. Yeah. <laughs> but here's what's interesting going on in, in also, pop. Also, you might just make him completely hate rap, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. Not much I've already, about it. I've already ruined soccer. <laughs> I've already completely ruined soccer. Like, I love soccer so much, and they that's like, that's dad's sport. So you're right, man. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Thank. I'm glad we talked about this. But let's continue this conversation anyway. Um, The history of hip-hop. He's learning it all out of chronology. Mm. Like He's asking about this rapper and this rapper and from this time and this place. And he has no timeline. He doesn't have any graphs or charts or anything. It's just all coming at him like an avalanche of information, right? Matthew, this is pop culture now for people because it's all accessible and it's all a complete avalanche. Well, it's Matthew. May I suggest that there's a boon here, a blessing, because you're going to find the the fortune cookie. The feel like you would. It behooves you as a father of a young son to be able to pick and choose specific rap songs to listen to and not listen to not be a completionist well, <laughs> if you're a completionist right. with every rap song you're gonna have to answer some questions yeah. and have some frank discussions but my, my, if you're like okay I'm, well, a, I'm already well on the path with my kids of just talking to them and that's good like a grown-up that's you know good. i want them to know about the world i want them to know I want them to understand the context of how rap came to be and what it means and what it means for America and what it means for 
groups of people. And, you know, I want to try to contextualize it. Mm-hmm. Listen, he can listen to this podcast in 20 years, you know, like. Yeah, in 20 years, yeah. Or he can do it right now. Let's bring it back to Soldier Boy. To Soldier Boy. Um, turn my swag on. I was living in the aught-aughts. And I was, the aught-aughts for me were San Francisco. And then I came back to Austin and um, I started working at the beer distributor at Capital Beverage. And I was maturing, but I still wanted to know what was going on in rap music. I mean, that's, it's the music I like. Rap music is made with computers. There's not instrumentation. I love that. Mm -hmm. I don't need people playing live instruments to enjoy music a lot of people do um especially if you want to make music it's really useful not to have to deal with getting four idiots together oh dude like i mean you can produce (laughs) the the producer is a guy who can bring in all the parts just call up the singer oh here's the drum oh here's the mpc here's the 808 and I was, I had actually gotten into that in the Autots. There's a program called Reason, a software program called Reason, that's a visual um, representation of these pieces of hardware that I'm mentioning the Akai MPC, the Roland 808, the, the MOG and the Mini MOG. You know, you, you can take that program and you can build a rack of these pieces of hardware and you can turn it around and, and have see a visual representation of you hooking up the different uh, pieces of hardware to each other, to computers, to outputs. So cool. I really like that whole world. I still love it. I regret not um, uh, trying my hand more at it and making music that way. Again, let me bring it back to Soldier Boy. 2008. 2008, I proposed to my wife. You know, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah, in, I'm, yeah, in, big, uh, I'm 31 or two. And, yeah. um, but I still want to know what's going on with rap music. And I didn't really understand what was going on with rap music. Soldier Boy is this very young rapper. What's he talking about? Turn my swag on, you know? And at the time, I was like, man... Rap has lost its way, you know. <laughs> At that time, I was like, "Yeah, man, the the all the best raps have already been made." Yeah, you know. We they start talking about the buying Louis Vuitton. And- I was a listen. <laughs> I was a thirty-two year old geezer. When I hit thirty-two, I thought first thing I thought, well, I thought I'd never be thirty-two. And then I immediately started like criticizing things and yelling at clouds and um, going to, of course, I go to bed early. I still go to bed early. What time is it, Shafi? It's 8.37. Let's get this, let's get this podcast going. Gee. Um, I'm going to lose my train of thought here if I'm not careful. Won't be the first time. Won't be the last. Um, Back to Soldier Boy is keeping me grounded right now. Okay. And as my son, like, experiences rap and starts learning about it, and I, he starts saying to me, well, who's your favorite rapper? What's the best rap song? The, uh, I mean, he's asking some difficult questions. Yeah, my son cool. is asking me the difficult questions. And uh, I, of course, when somebody says, who's your favorite rapper? It's, it, there's two. It's bisected. It's outcast. I mean, outcast. Okay, yeah, I, I, I love. <laughs> I the love real heads. No, outcast is the best of the uh, the best of the best. I'm not I, a real head, but I've heard real heads talk on the I'm radio. Going back, I'm, I'm going back in the past again. I'm going back and forward in time here. This is like an episode of Quantum. Uh, what's that show? Conf- Quantum Quantum Leap. Confucius from. Uh, <laughs> Confucius from KUTX. What about Confucius? I've heard him say Outcast are the best rappers of all time. Outcast is the best rap group of all time. He's what I mean when I say the real heads now. He's a real head. And if somebody says like, what's your favorite rap song? And I I think Spody 
Spodiote Dopalicious. That is a great, great, great song. And then the whole Equimini album, which came out in 1998, which is is almost transcendent of from where rap had come from. As the plot thickens, it gives me the dickens, reminiscent of Charles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you can't beat that. You can't beat. So, so this Charles is this is ten years after that. Two thousand eight, <laughs> yeah, Soldier yeah. Boy, okay. turn my swag on, and a lot of stuff had happened since then. Cash Money had happened since then. Jay Z had happened since then. Lil Wayne had happened since then. Like all these, all these things had happened since. They're, they're key, I guess it's peaks and valleys, you know. Anyway, auto tuning. In two thousand eight, I thought that rap was in a valley. <laughs> Oh, but you say the auto tuning like that's funny, but like T Pain is one of my favorite artists. Oh, hey, hey. Cher is the first auto tuner ever. Oh, is she? Yeah. Cher introduced the world to auto tune? First, yeah. Huh. First time it was used. That's interesting. Or used on a uh, on a track for release. I feel like I need to cross check this. I'll do it later. That's another. That's a different podcast. You Google but, it right now. Sir, somebody, first auto tuning. Nicholas, can you make a note for us? Um, was I'm not doubting you either. I just want to make sure. Share the. Did she introduce us to auto tune? Um, Thinking about what of our listeners want to hear us talk about rap, and then what of our listeners can even hold on for it. A wayward conversation about her. But let me ask you a question, Shafi. Yes. How long has it been since 2008? Well, it's like 16 years, Shafi. I'll okay. do the math for you. Thank you. And um, I could have gotten there. And people are still making rap music. They sure are. But it's different. Yes. And now, it, it's funny how there's this, the classic amount of time, you know? Like Soldier Boy, turn my swag on is coming up to be a classic. Twenty one. I mean, it's got five more years, but um, the whole point of all of this long winded opening of this podcast. Sorry about this, everybody. Is that it's crazy how time reorients how you think about things. You know, you look at something like Soldier Boy. For a second, I thought you were going to say, the point is, I've changed my first name to Soldier. <laughs> oh, I'm, I am thinking about turn, change, changing my first name to Soldier Matthew said, what's Soldier, up? Soldier hey, Matthew, baby. I'm getting money. Uh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Bed, I turn my swag on. No. That, that song is so catchy. I'm glad I got it in your head, too. Yeah. Um, it's a banger. I like it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited that my son is interested in rap music. I think and that's great. I I want to help him if he wants to. Um, he wants a YouTube channel, but he wants to do like Fortnite videos. And he like the the first the like prototype the storyboarding of this for us was that he took my phone and he set it up. He set all this stuff up in the living room so that my phone would capture the TV mm-hmm. pretty well. He cropped it pretty well. And then he Good. recorded like a few different clips of him playing Fortnite. Yeah. And I was trying to explain to him how <clears throat> he needed to um he needs to it needs to be a podcast, really, is what it needs to be. Like you can't just be playing Fortnite. You can't just be showing your great kills. You've got to make some interest out of it. I mean, unless you really are the best Fortnite player on the whole entire planet, then you can talk about what you're doing, you know. I don't think that's him quite But yet. then you, you need a hook, yeah. You need to be playing Fortnite. Or maybe, maybe you could rap about what he's doing while he's playing Fortnite. There you go. You got Griffin, the Fortnite rapper. Well... My example, somebody who's already doing that. Actually. My example to him was, I said, um, "What are you going to rap about?" And he was like, "Dad, you don't know anything." And I was like, uh, <laughs> and then I was like, "I I did a quick little uh, freestyle, just about what I know about Fortnite." 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, um, she blew his mind. <laughs> I kind of blew his mind. His sister was like that. His sister was like, that's pretty good. That's pretty tight. Uh-huh. And, uh, Dad's got swagoo. And I, I'm, I mean, I'm an outsider too. Like it was an, it was an outsider Fortnite kid. What I have pointed out to him is that a lot of the rap that he likes, I'm calling it. Um, well, it, we've talked about this. It's it's trap music for kids. Retardigrades. Yeah, it's there. There are all these rappers that sound like kids, talk about kids stuff. For I mean, Fortnite is a. I I told him I was like, write a rap about Fortnite. You know, yeah. there's so much jargon inside of it. I'm loving that, this story so much. Do you remember your quick rhyme about Fortnite? What you know about Fortnite? Because we're dying to hear it. I promise you. <laughs> um. Let me think of it. I'm 100. It doesn't Have matter. Have you ever played Fortnite? Yeah. How does a battle royale begin? Falling from a parachute? Yeah. So I'm parachuting in. I'm going to win. I seize the kids and I get all the loots. I get all the cahoots and make some moves. <laughs> that wasn't it at all. It was a little better than that. But it. But that I did. I used well, that. Parachuting in. Yeah. That's how I started it. Like I set the scene for him. This poor kid. Can you imagine if I'm your dad? <laughs> no, I think it's wonderful. Oh, I think I, it, like I think it's beat. so much fun that that you're having fun and he's having fun. And man, I am there for the Twitch rap Fortnite channel. That was made for me. I was just my mind was swirling with just like, I was thinking about like all the, all the nineties, like East coast jazz rap that we were listening to that the world has completely forgotten about. Nineties East coast jazz rap. What are you talking about? (laughs) One night when I was lift driving, I picked up some gals at UT, you know, and there some, uh, some women, 22, 23 year old, we were driving, they were, and then we we're listening to KTX, and we were laughing, we were chatting about stuff, whatever. And then Diggable Planets came on, cool like that. Uh-huh. I was like, yes. I turned it up, and there's just total silence in the rest of the car. And I realized I was like, wow, you guys probably don't even know who Diggable Planets are, do you? And they're like, no, never heard those two words together. <laughs> I was like, ah. Yeah, I play Outcast for Griffin, and he's like, I don't know, Dad. I, I'm not feeling it. You're like, but you're I think, damn right you don't know. You think, don't know. <laughs> I think that he's going to get to a, a point in his life. I think something will happen. Well. Yeah. And when the time comes, we've got the somebody. Here. Somebody will put on a Quim and I. Grip can. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, you know, Griffin will have an experience. He'll be he'll be uh, half drunk on bomb wine. And, uh... Well, that's 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 what music is, though. Too, it's like it helps us like remember those times, right? Have a bottle of Strawberry Hill, and then somebody's like, well, "What is this? Oh, this is what Dad was talking about." Yeah. <laughs> Shoot, I'm not I'm not being a very good parent. No. What am I doing? You're a great dad. You're a great dad. Okay, let's start the podcast. <laughs> that was the intro. Uh, <laughs> when you said aughts rap, I was like, well, I have some things no. to talk about. Aught, aught rap. That was, that was wonderful. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad you did that. Not, I'm, never, I'm never skeptical about her. What, these kid rappers? I, I'm equally skeptical about all of our subjects. But. Here's what's sort of blowing my mind. is <clears throat> I'm looking back at the aught-aught rap and seeing it in a different light. And I'm seeing the kids these days. Like, a Soldier Boy, that's their OG. Yeah. Like, a Soldier Boy, I, I think, typifies the start of a little different, like, change in rap that kind of was just like Mumblecore and Migos and... Um, there's this sensibility now that's like it's a little psychedelic it's mm-hmm. it's a little um 
Yeah, all of those those kids in Chicago, like uh, Earl Sweatshirt and Odd Future Collective. Odd Future, yeah, yeah. Those guys were very weird. Yeah, very yeah. weird, delightful. And those are the elder statesmen now. <laughs> yeah, and those guys. That's ten years. That's ten years gone. <laughs> so anyway, it's it's hard finding rap songs that we both like. But then, but then he's like, oh, there's he likes this Eminem song. Mm. Or he likes this Drake song. He doesn't know. He, he doesn't know. Doesn't know. It's so weird having a human who's like a, you know, uh, tabula rasa. Let him go whatever direction they go. They'll bring you back. Say, go, sir. Bring me back everything that you find not interesting. Was that like Ozymandias or something? <laughs> that's what, I think that's what... That's what uh, Oh, the uh, the detective, um, written by Rex Stout. Oh, he had the. There was a series of detecting detective people yelling at their. Uh, their I I love it when we can't remember stuff. <laughs> I think that's why people tune in is to hear us not remember stuff. Let me change the subject, okay? By all means. <clears throat> so, you you know Archie. I want you to go out there and come back and report to me everything that everything that you you thought wasn't important, because that would be like he was kind of winding him up. That was his assistant. I still can't remember his name. Is that a movie? No, the series of novels. They did do a they did do a TV show, Timothy Hutton, and uh, anyway. Oh boy, <laughs> failed again. <laughs> Stuff we can't remember. Still can't remember. I've read a hundred of those novels. Can't remember the name of the detective. Okay. Here's what <laughs> I wanted to say that's kind of tangential to what we were talking about. It's hard to podcast. <laughs> Podcasting is hard. And here's why. Because when you feel like performing or when an idea strikes... And you can see it all play out on the podcast. It's it's 227 on a Tuesday, and you just got some more crap to do, and then you gotta go home and do some more crap. And you can't podcast right then. 3 a.m. You somehow have to gather up these little bits of thought and yes. performance and yes. improvisation and bring them here and remember that mood. I if we if we could only podcast whenever the muses come, whenever inspiration strikes. That would be an amazing podcast. Amazing, yeah. It would be having to like define a time that I got to come over here to your physical space and everything. You know, it's like this gets back to my thoughts about consciousness too. Like when you're when you're gone and we're all together, like all those constraints are gone. We can we can podcast when we want to in the afterlife. It kind of humanity, like wouldn't it isn't it kind of a tragedy that, you know, wouldn't it be great if like we could the times that we were in a good mood were always the times that we were out with people in the world. The only times that we were ever sad we were or when we were Sitting on our back porch and it's raining and we can luxuriate in that sadness. And then as soon as you're, you know, talking with your friends at the cocktail party, then you are 100% on and you are, you remember everything that you, and you're happy and it's just not the way it is. Sometimes, sometimes you're at your most blissfully happy, you know, alone in that rainstorm and then you get around a bunch of people and you're like, I love all these people, but I, I can't think of anything to say right now. And I, you know, you're talking about when it just doesn't work out. Yeah. It doesn't work out. It's great. You know, so what, many, I'm, like, you know what I'm reminded of when you say that? What? New Year's Eve, 1999. Oh, we were together. Yeah. At that house. Yeah. In the West, in West Austin. Yeah. Holly parks. I was going to say, maybe we shouldn't be too specific. Oh, okay. Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. We were at a house party at a luxurious house in West Austin. And um, I was so in my head that night. I was so... I was, I was so anxious about... I was so out of my head that Oh, night. you were? <laughs> Definitely was. 
I, in a fun way. I mean, I was having pre-millennium tension, and I'm I was sorry. I was totally in my head about uh, a breakup and heartbreak and the future and what was going to happen and all this dumb stuff. So this was wasted a bunch of time. One year before you moved to. Or six months before you moved to San Francisco? It was t- 10 months. I moved to San Francisco in October. 10 months. After that. Yeah. I needed to shake it up. When? I had broken up with like my college girlfriend. Yeah. You know, some months before. And, and I was just, I was in the worst mood that night. And it was New Year's Eve. You know what? I've hated New Year's Eve ever since then. I'm really not a fan. I this isn't even on the show sheet, but I'm going to talk about it. I hate New Year's Eve. Man. A lot of pressure. I hate people. This is the same conversation we're having about. You got to bring all this stuff here. Mm-hmm. New Year's Eve is like, oh, there's all this expectation and all this. You you got to be excited. And, and the world says, this is the time that you have to review your life. You need you need to be resolute yeah. all of and review, and then it's all foisted upon you on <laughs> December thirty first, and then on January first. Oh, stupid! So stupid. Let it go. Let it put it. Maybe I should. I I if I could go back to New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety nine. I would just have fun, man. Why wasn't I just... It sounds like you had fun. I definitely and did. And I was so uptight. But it, was a, it was a frantic, chaotic sort of fun. Um, but it was fun. Okay. Well, we don't have to get too specific about that, but <laughs> that's great. And But you're absolutely right. Can I just call you sometime? And can, can you... Let me just say, can you, in your car, can you just set up a recording thing where I can just call you and we can start podcasting anytime? Like, that isn't that the essence of this podcast? That's how it started? We're going to get there eventually. That is the the way it should be. (laughs) Recording constantly. And we'll hire somebody to edit it all down on a weekly. (laughs) Oh, hire somebody. Or or have Chad GPT do it. Could we AI edit this bad boy? The uh, could AI edit this bad boy? It, eventually, it will be able to. Yeah. It is. Are you about to say something? Uh, it's just interesting how useful it is to me to have this time to gather your thoughts. And you know, there's a lot of people do things they hear something on the radio they might put it in in the notes on their phone and be like oh, i'm going to remember to talk to my dad about this or i'm going to this would be a funny thing to talk about at my next cocktail party when i who knows when that's going to be but uh you know little things come up maybe maybe you call your best friend maybe you call your brother maybe you call your sister and you talk about them maybe you talk about them with your coworkers or maybe you don't maybe you forget it's awesome to have once a week a time be like, let's go back and see what interesting things that I learned this week. Like, what does the word cicada apocalypse mean to you? Oh wait, that's not the right beat. Let me let me get a cicada apocalypse beat. No, that's not. Maybe this is I like this a little faster, a little faster here. Cicada apocalypse, like that. Cicada apocalypse. <laughs> cicada apocalypse is coming, my friends. Yeah, I was reading about that. I'm I'm fascinated by cicadas, and I've never really understood the whole like they are underground for 17 years before they come out. Yeah, but I but I I read an article this week that Except illuminated some it a little that are more. But some are 13, 13 years. years. But it doesn't sound like the cicada apocalypse is right here. Now the eclipse is very near. Yeah, here. no, I didn't say right here. It sounded like uh, Southern Illinois. It's coming to America. Yeah, yeah, up there in yeah the Illinois Ohio area. But it's the first time since the early eighteen hundreds that two broods are coming out in the same year. People in Ohio are so lucky, and it won't happen again until the two hundred. 2200s. Oh, is that right? Next time, yeah. 
So oh. this is a 500-year event, basically. Oh. And... Uh, Wait, 2,200s? That's... Oh. That's... Okay. So... Like 250 years or something? An interesting thing that I didn't really understand is that the broods... Or they're numbered... You know, there's brood 19, I think, and brood 13 are the ones coming out. I'll have to double-check my info on that. But... Uh, what I didn't understand was the broods, they're actually different species within the broods. Uh, and different species. different species of cicada. But these two broods, <laughs> these two broods coming out together will represent almost all of the known species of cicada. So they're all going to be busting out at the same time. And at a certain point, there's going to be a right in the edge of the two breed, broods where the two broods can breed. And that will create new kinds of cicadas. Well, that's exciting. And we won't know, in th at least for 13 years, when the new ones hatch, how they're different from the, uh, from the old brood. So cool. This so me, weird. This makes me glad that my hearing is going. <laughs> going to be very loud. They're so loud. Very loud in Southern Illinois and Northern Ohio. Yeah. And they just own the summer. You know? I love, they are, they are the, I love the sound of cicadas for just that reason. <clears throat> it's summertime. The air is heavy. I actually don't mind the sound of cicadas, but the association with having uh, sweaty balls <laughs> is like, like just being yeah. Being beat down by the sun and that sound go together, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. It, it, and it, I also I feel like, too, they're mocking us <laughs> as we're melting on the sidewalk. And they're just like, ah, this is our time. In that, what, this is like, it's like five weeks that they live above ground. That's it. Is that it? Yeah. That's their entire life above ground. They just. But it lasts longer. They have their little hole underground that they creep in. For two decades or whatever, thirteen to seventeen years, and then all of a sudden they are freak out. They bust out. <laughs> Five years, it's cicada orgy, and then it's all over. That's it. <laughs> they all die. <laughs> it's strange. I bet they have trouble podcasting when the mood strikes too. <laughs> you know, they they definitely it, have a lot of things to say. It's hard to be near a microphone at the right time. <laughs> Especially when you spend ninety nine point nine percent of your life dormant underground. I wonder what are they doing down there? Are they sleeping? Are Man, they... I wonder about that a lot. There's there's a lot of frogs too that go underground because around my house can be a very froggy time, and they like they go underground and go to sleep and then yeah during the drought and whatever and then it starts raining and then you're like oh there's all these frogs here what yeah do they, they like yeah are they completely dormant are they hibernating I because uh, they're know, not you know the bear is my spirit animal the black bear yeah did you know that i did not know that did you know that one magical hour one magical nation the black bear is my spirit animal this beat says so and um, <clears throat> hibernation fascinates me, you know, this time when you're just like away. Of course, we were talking about sleep recently and how I wonder <laughs> how sleep punctuates these liminal moments. And you're like, oh, I find all my liminal moments in sleep. <laughs> um yeah, what goes on there? Hibernation. That's so cool. But 17, I mean, a bear is just like a season. And we look at bears and go, whoa, because they're more like us. They're like those guys, 17 years. And then what's what's that clock? Like, why 17? Why 13? Why, why, why are they at these intervals? I wish you could tell me. Do we have any entomologists in our listenership? We've got geologists and, and psychologists. Archaeologists. And got a lot of learned people. 
Any entomologists out there? Reach out. What does it mean and why do we say it? We got one of them. We're done with this. This one, I was a little worried about this one. With him with his. Because uh, it seemed like it could get a little dark. But what? Well, that's fine, I think. What does it mean to you to have skin in the game? <sighs> the first thing that comes to my mind is laying down a bicycle <laughs> <laughs> or a motorcycle. And um, losing some skin yeah. to the pavements. Yeah, you definitely any gave up some of, skin for whatever whatever game you were playing. Any kind right? of raspberry or strawberry. Hey, so, but you know what it means. It means to have some sort of investment into whatever the project is. Or, uh, oh, wait. I just thought of this. What, my, what about my kid? That's like skin in the game. Okay, yeah. So, skin is... Can represent a person. That's what I was worried about. I was like, is this going to go back to... Uh, I thought you were worried about like some kind of Hannibal Lecter stuff. Very unpleasant things happening to humanity. And it turns out... As it turns out. That it's, it goes back... Well, it goes back to like 1999. Oh. Warren Buffett. It was... It's... it's wait, wait, what? <laughs> like... They've tried to figure it out. They can't really pin it down. And it does, it, it has very specific meaning to people in the finance industry. It's like you have a certain investment of your own money and not in a, in a uh, financial endeavor. I see. And uh, I see the distinction there. There's a thing that goes back to like when the IBM employees used to have skins matches and playing golf. And, you know, when you're playing golf for skins, it's, you're playing for dollar bills. So the bills are called skins. So that oh, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, so but they don't know who the first person was to say, to use kind of, you know, the metaphorical skin in the game for uh, the way Warren Buffett did it. Warren Buffett did it in 1999, and then it developed that very specific meaning going on in the future. But, yeah, that's, that's how old it is. And they're not 100% sure that it came from that. What about like animals? Those skins? IBM golfers. Either. Yeah, well. What about all those that's why, French beaver hunters? That's, that's why the golf, when you're changing, <laughs> when there's cash changing hands in a golf tournament, it's called skin. It used to be, you know, I'll bet you these these pelts that I have that are represented a lot of the money for against, you know, your pelts. Ah, have a competition. Skin in the game. So, but yeah. Not doesn't go back very far at all. You're like the roots of this are from 1999, just before <laughs> that crappy party we were at. They were, uh, they were for a long time. It was credited to Warren Buffett, uh, William Sapphire, the uh, journalist and uh, literary figure, looked back and said, "No, I, I can find a few. He found a few uses before then, and then." Uh, and then that's it. Do we need to stop down for a minute? You want to stop down? No, no, I'm fine. <clears throat> I just needed to stretch my legs. Sure. Um, I think that's all I got. I feel like we didn't talk about skin in the game long enough. <laughs> if you have anything else to say on the matter, you can. I just I heard it the other day, or maybe I said it out loud, and I said, file this one away for the podcast. This is a textbook. We do have more to talk about here. We do have more to talk about. Um, I, I can move this into the next one, but we need to return to something that was mentioned in a previous episode. Okay. Our friend Doug. Speaking of our speaking of psychologists and geologists and archaeologists, uh, a a. Common acquaintance that we have. This is a, a Yahoo News article. Wait a second. This is a. <laughs> this is a good old fashioned news. This cruise. is a news cruise. Put it in the sheet. 
Um, this is a Yahoo News article from CBS. This is from CBS News. I'm going to read you the headline. <clears throat> this is about a friend of ours, a mutual acquaintance, Doug Boyne. I hope I'm saying Doug's name right. I guess he's an acquaintance, not a close friend. I know his partner Gardner more than him, but um, here we go. Ancient letter written by Roman emperor leads to monumental discovery. And for some reason, monumental is in quotes. I'm not sure why. <laughs> is, is Carrie Breen of CBS News saying something? She's trying to say something there, like monumental discovery? Like, What's she getting at? I don't know. Um, so Doug is an archaeologist, and he has been in northern Italy at this dig that is uh, based on his research. A, and I'm going to read the article now, a little snippet of the article. A letter written by a Roman emperor helped lead a team of archaeologists to an ancient temple that adds significant insights into the social changes from pagan beliefs to Christianity in the Roman Empire, experts announced recently. The lead archaeologist on the expedition, Douglas Boyne, PhD, announced the monumental discovery at the annual meeting of the Archaeological Institute of America, according to a news release from St. Louis University, where I should have asked Doug how to say his last name before this. So Doug, oh, let us know <laughs> if I'm hatcheting this. I, I just told him about the podcast recently, and he was like, "Oh, really? What is it called?" And so I'm going to have to obviously give this one to him. Um, Anyway, I know this archaeologist who made this uh, discovery, uh, Doug Set. I'm, I'm not going to use his last name. I'm just going to call him Doug. Yeah, there you go. Where Doug is a professor of history. Doug said he and his team discovered three walls of a monumental structure that appears to have been a Roman temple from the Constantine era, which ranged from AD to AD. AD to AD? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it says, folks. AD 280 to 337. So that's 280 years after Christ, right? Yeah. The common era, Anno Domini, to about 337. So this is about how many years ago is a that? 60 years span, 70 years span. Yeah. And it's and, and it's like 1800 years ago, right? During Emperor Constantine's rule of the empire, he made the persecution of Christians illegal and bankrolled church-building projects, among other efforts, mm -hmm. helping usher in the spread of, of religion throughout the empire, according to the Encyclopedia Britannica. Is that still a thing? Uh, the temple was found in Spello, a medieval hilltop about two and a half hours away from Rome and near the town of Assisi. Um, basically, the letter says... Um, well, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna surmise what the letter says. I think the, but basically what this article is saying is that Doug has found a site where Constantine was making this transition. Like Constantine didn't really understand Christianity, but all the people were into it, and he was like, "Yeah, man, cool." But here's the thing: first, you have to build a temple to the imperial cult which refers to the belief that emperors and their families should be worshipped as divine, according to the Harvard Divinity School. The practice began with the death of Julius Caesar in 44 BC, and Boyne said that, and, excuse me, and Doug said that the 4th century temple shows the largest evidence ever of the practice in late Roman Empire. Okay, so yeah, there's about a 300-year, 40-year period where you got to worship the Roman emperor as a god, and... Sounds like. And then Constantine was like, you know Constant what? Hey, let's just kind of. I mean, it's weird that she said usher in the spread of religion. She really should have said usher, usher in the spread of Christianity yeah. or usher in the spread of a new religion. There already was a bunch of religion there. Uh, well, who who knows what all kind of slanted, uh, uh, biased views Yahoo News yeah, I mean, and CBS are. are <laughs> I think the weird quotes around Monumental must be just, she must be, or he. Whoever it is, the writer she, must be they just making a little joke Gary. about how it's an actual monument and it's monumentally important. I oh right okay yes, I mean 
I was talking. She doesn't to, mean to imply that it's not actually monumental. I was talking to Doug <laughs> about this, and the, the, this site is—it's not. This is part of the site, but then there's like deeper levels to the site. There's also these figures, these bronze figures they found from the Etruscan period at the same site. Cool. And basically, he has his work cut out for him, and his—he's going to have things to do and publish, and he, like. For an archaeologist, Doug has hit the Constantinopolean motherload. You know, and it's so awesome. I'm so stoked to be, uh, you know, tangentially acquainted with Doug. And um, And it's super interesting to find this thing that's right on the cusp between these two very important civilization building religions, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, Ike. Also, this is like in this town and there's like, you know, this is like a parking lot or something where yeah. they were digging. <laughs> and um, Ike sent me this article. And then like a few hours later, we looked at it again and it had like 1500 comments on it. Oh, no. And I think there's a lot of people, you know, jumping in here talking about what they know about Christianity and about Constantine, oh, about yada, yada. And I wanted to just... I wanted to just read one of these quotes. Um, Oh no! No, no. This this is a good one. Um, This is. I'm I'm going to read a a a reply to one of the quotes. Oh man, I'm not going to be able to find it again. (sighs) Okay. Yes, Uh, from Thomas H on January 9th. He says, okay, so political opinions expressed in a discussion thread about an archaeological discovery that dates back 1400 to 1500 years before the United States even existed rate as exercises in pettiness and absurd irrationality. (laughs) Either pull your head out or crawl back under your rocks, said Thomas to the crowd. (laughs) Thomas goes on to say that this is a fascinating find that dates back to a period of profound social and cultural change in the Roman Empire, which carried forward and preserved into the modern era the thinking of classical Greek philosophy. That's a great discovery, and I look forward to reading what else they uncover in future digs at the site. Me too, Thomas. Apparently, Apparently people were immediately, you know, going off the rails and turning this into some sort of political issue isn't that isn't that wonderful ain't that america oh yeah shafi i've been thinking about putting oh yeah putting yeah i'm putting some podcasts on this podcast um another way that could be used and i've heard it used in the past is putting too much on it which i had a girlfriend from oakland california who accused me of putting too much on it. No. <clears throat> I know, I know it's hard to believe, but yeah, sometimes I'm just putting too much on it. And this is the same kind of thing. You you the put you're putting is like putting out vibes, right? Yeah, putting putting Put, putting too much on it could be applied as well. You're putting extra. Sounds like is what she meant. Yeah, I'm putting a little extra. Putting a little extra. We ready for a poem? <laughs> Take a look in the mirror. Say what's up. Yeah, I want a poem. No. Thank you so much, One Magical Nation. It's great to be back with you. I feel like we haven't referred to them as One Magical Nation in forever. Oh, well. We suddenly did a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah, this is weird. This weird, weird 187 marks the return of the phrase one magical nation. No, we say it very, fairly often, I think. I would have to ask Nicholas. We need to ask people to um, write a review at the first of the podcast. That needs to be like before the, I'm going to, I'm going to insert before the song and be like, Hey, if you like our podcast, be sure to like us and subscribe. And then, we sure. need to do those things at the first of it, yeah. not at the end. Nobody, do you even hear us talking about this? At the end? <laughs> well, Don't we will, uh, we'll do that. The poor of the choices. 
Oh, wait. No, no, no. Wait. Wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to read Oh, wait. We're supposed to, uh, for some reason, I thought we did that. <laughs> you got it all out of order. It's the poem, read, then read, the read sign the off. Read the poem. Then the song. I was thinking that. Okay. Okay. The Panther by Ogden Nash. The panther is like a leopard, except it hasn't been peppered. Should you behold a panther crouch, prepare to say ouch. Or better yet, if called by a panther, don't anther. Wow. That's really nice. That, uh, Little whimsical verse from Ogden Nash. I mean, that reminds me of put my swagger on. You know, like you just take the... You just take the language and change it how you need to. Yeah, have some fun with it. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Enjoy it. Join us again if you're if you're so inclined. And 188 all, will be the next episode. 188. Count down to the big up. 200. I think we should make a conscious effort to record episode 200 uh, at the cabin. Okay. You heard it here. Okay. Let's do that. The poor are the choices. The sweet of the wine. Come right back to you. Come on.